0: Hi, welcome to The Bug Plug, a podcast about all things insects, arachnids, arthropods, creepies, and crawlies. I'm Kaylee, and today we're recapping some bug news from July. I never know how to introduce these news episodes. I always feel... I feel like I say something different in the intro every time, and it feels weird to be like, and this is the monthly news, but that's kind of what it is. Um, I have no personal bug updates. As I was writing this episode, a giant cicada was on my window, and there are like, are, there were so many doves in my front yard. My bet is they were looking for the cicada. To be clear, we didn't have any rain, and that's usually the only time I have birds in the yard. So the bird situation is odd. Oh wait, no, hold on, back up. I do have a bug update. I was watering my uh, wildflower garden yesterday and the amount of bugs that I saw was incredible and the diversity was wild. If you have a space and can do it, which I understand isn't possible everywhere for everyone, but I fully recommend planting local wildflowers if you can. Not only are the flowers so pretty and different from anything else that I've ever planted, but I really enjoy the way the other living things are benefiting from the flowers. All of the bugs, but then also a few wild rabbits, and it just makes me feel like I'm like actively helping my ecosystem, and I can't recommend this to other people enough. Okay, moving on, let's get to the news. Our first story, no, um... The first study I wanted to talk about was discussed on NPR Science Friday this week. So basically, researchers have found toxins in the venom of the asp caterpillars. That's ASP, by the way. Um, And the venom is completely different to anything they've seen before in insects. So the toxins in the caterpillar venom punch holes in human cells the same way as toxins produced by disease-causing bacteria, such as like E. coli and salmonella. This is something that they're seeing in multiple generations, which is odd if it's like a bacterial thing. Typically bacteria doesn't get passed down to other generations genetically, so it's a huge revelation. And this isn't new to the caterpillar. We have evidence that they've been passing on this sort of bacteria-esque toxin for millions of years. While this is exciting just from a biology standpoint, it opens up a lot of development for medication. Venoms are rich sources of new molecules that can be developed into medicines of the future, but then can also be used for other things like scientific tools and pesticides. The study states that toxins that puncture, puncture holes in cells have really good potential in drug delivery because of their ability to enter cells. There's a quote from the article that says there may be a way to engineer the molecule to target beneficial drugs to healthy cells or to selectively kill cancer cells. Which is very exciting because um, the issue with cancer drugs and finding medications to actively fight cancer is how do you target the bad cells? You don't want to destroy good cells and go scorched earth so how do you target just the ones that you want it's tricky so this would be maybe a really good option our next article is titled aphids make tropical milkweed less inviting to monarch butterflies and as someone who battled aphids basically all summer i fully agree (laughs) i agree aphids are not inviting um in summary, the article states that when oleander aphids infested tropical milkweed, man, I can't talk today. Monarch butterflies laid fewer eggs on the plant, and the caterpillars developing on those plants were slower to mature. So here's the deal: in an effort to help the monarch butterflies, people all over the United States are planting non-native tropical milkweed. Now, I have to pause here, because I have milkweed growing outside, and I honestly have no clue what kind. I thought it was native to my area, but I could be wrong. So, to be clear, the study focused on the non-native tropical milkweed. So, why are aphids keeping monarchs away, or slowing growth? Milkweed defends itself against pests with chemical compounds in its sap, which makes monarch butterflies toxic to certain predators, like it's, it's what they do. Uh, but the tropical milkweed has particularly high levels of this toxin that ramp up even more when it's being attacked by large infestations of the oleander aphids. It's thought that the ramped up, lever- levers. It's thought that the ramped up levels may deter monarchs from laying eggs on these plants and will also affect their caterpillars. Of course, don't take care of the aphids with pesticides as that will also affect the monarchs in a negative way but naturally removing aphids seems to be fine the researchers say that planting native milkweed is honestly the best option because these aphids aren't affecting like the milkweed that's native to north or to the united states Um, the tropical milkweed is just more susceptible to them Our last article is titled, New Study Reveals That Tree Species Diversity Increases Spider Density. I love every word in that, so let's just dive in. Um, So starting with the good news, people are embracing tree-dwelling spiders as easy, natural forms of pest control. We've talked about that here for like the last year and a half. Natural pest control is done best by the other organisms in your ecosystem. I'm a huge advocate for spiders. I think they're great. So in order to get the best results, people are being encouraged to plant varying types of trees to get the largest variety in spiders. Some spiders prefer certain trees, that sort of thing. But having a wide array of spiders gets you the best benefit of pest control as the different spiders eat different pests. So really... You're getting a two-for-one special here. You're getting lots of pretty trees and lots of spider seed all the pests. Um, where was I? <laughs> oh, here I am. According to the senior author of the study, spiders really like complex habitats. So having a large variety in tree species with different structural features like height, canopy cover, and foliage density will help increase the spider abundance and also the natural pest regulation they provide. One of my favorite things is that this study is based on years of real life experimentation with plots of land across Europe, Asia, and North America. So in the process of learning all of this, they're also actively helping the ecosystems, which is just so cool. And then they're spreading their findings in like an easy to understand way for people to embrace it, which this type of study can obviously be done in a lab, and I'm sure it was done in a lab before they took it out to the real world, but when we're doing studies that are going to positively impact the environment, I think it's so important that those studies be done in the real world so that they can impact the environment while we're learning. Something like this, like planting trees to figure out how the spiders react, isn't anything that's going to hurt anybody or hurt anything so, yes, it could be done in a controlled environment, but I think as humans, we get the best benefit if it's done in real time, in real life. Even though there are going to be some aspects, of course, that affect the results, I think overall it's really wonderful that they took the time and the effort to make these plots of land on multiple continents and they planted the trees. And they really brought life back into these areas. I, I love it. And we're going to end on a super positive note. That's our last one. Thank you so much for learning with me today. I'll see you next week in August here on the Bug Plug Podcast.